Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Adoptees podcast. So today I'm delighted to join, uh, be joined by Alex uh, all the way from, from Illinois. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thank you for coming on. Hi. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Alex Montgomery, um, she is the deputy director of Let It Be Us, and you're also an adoptive mom. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And um, and you've got a little girl, if I remember right, and if my if my my notes from last time are right. Now, last time you, as as we've as I mentioned before we started recording, you you dropped a couple of real nuggets into our conversation, which I I loved, and and, and I'd love to explore what those mean what, what those mean uh, to you. Um, the the first one that you you mentioned is secret secrets what do you say secrets is where shame grows secrets are, are where shame grows what 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 did you mean by that well to me so when people think generally about adoption i feel like if you were to pick you know the first two or three words that come to your head secrets would be right up there if not number one um, because of the history, because of the way we've treated adoption, because we, you know, societally treated it as a secret. I mean, we literally tried to pretend that it didn't happen. We tried to pretend in many cases that a child was born to parents who adopted that child. I mean, secret with a capital S. And why would we keep that secret? Why is that a secret? You know, I'm sure there are examples of secrets not being negative things, but I can't think of a lot. So to me, it's a secret because we don't want people to know. Why don't we want people to know? We don't want people to know because we feel badly about it. We feel shame about it. And that's the part that I want to explore as an adoptive mother. Why? Because then should my daughter feel badly about it? I don't want that. I can tell you, I don't want that. Should I feel badly about it? I don't want anyone to feel badly about it. No. And there's a there's a very real reason that um, that we don't want people to feel bad, right? And um, this shame is a very uh, it's an perhaps an overused adjective in today's parlance. This word this word toxic, but. Um, uh, shame is a very toxic, uh, to- toxic, uh, to- sorry, toxic feeling, and I, and I, I mention this every now and again on the podcast uh, because I think it's a, a great way of understanding our emotions. And have you heard of a guy called David Hawkins? He has a, a scale, a scale of a scale of human consciousness. Oh, no, no, yeah? no. So the book's his kind of seminal book is called Power Versus Force, and and I, I mention it and I have to I have to plug it on the podcast because it's a way of looking at uh, looking at emotions in a kind of more in 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 a in a in a, in a, a, a simpler way I think and and it, this this scale goes from zero to a thousand. The scale of come zero is zero is dead and a thousand um are the great religious adver- uh, avatars so um and jesus and 
Buddha and people like that. And uh, unconditional love is, I think, about 350. Anger is something like 50 or 150 or 150. Pride is 180. But the key thing, and the reason I'm talking about this, is that shame is 20. Mm. Shame is 20. Shame is, you know, that kind of disempowered, what's wrong with me, locking myself away, you know, locking myself away in, in the room, don't want to speak to anybody, you know, the end of the, the end of the worth, you know, like, you know, think of depression and things like that. Shame, shame on that scale of consciousness is, is, uh, is, uh, is 20. And that, that kind of sums up to me why it is so toxic. It is so tricky. And therefore, why we should be uh, avoiding it. Um, so when I was looking back at my notes from last time, I saw that, I saw that, um, that, that quote, secret is, uh, secrets is where shame grows. And I thought, what's the opposite of shame? Hmm. Uh, I don't know if this is the exact op opposite, but maybe the opposite of secrets is openness is being who you are not hiding any part of who you are that's what i feel like the secret is it's hiding part of who you are and that makes you feel shame and so the opposite is not hiding who you are and 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 hopefully that being affirmed by you know you feeling affirmed or by the people who matter to you so that you don't have that that secret, that nugget, that sort of dark place that nobody knows about where you're feeling yeah. badly and no one can tell you, you don't have to feel badly about that. They can't tell you that if you're not open, if you don't say, hey, this is part of me. Yeah. I think of people who are gay, who come out, that nugget, right? That same nugget that's inside that you're so afraid if you bring it out, people are gonna say, you've sort of decided they're gonna say, you're a bad person, you're not worthy. But if you bring it out, hopefully likely what you'll find is people will say that that's great that's fine you're lovely yeah, yeah. that's how i would see the opposite yeah it's it's funny how uh, funny how you said it because and funny that you mentioned the, the the gay thing because when i thought of shame um i thought yeah the opposite of shame is pride and you know we have uh, we have, and I'm sure you have them over there in the states. You have we have these marches for you know pride. It's LGBTQ plus whatever. Sorry, I'm, I'm not up to date on the correct PC terms for what you say this, but yeah, they, they have a pride thing. So I thought about shame and pride, and then I thought well, pride, you know, proud of being adopted, and I thought proud of being adopted. I thought. Mm. I'm not so sure about, you know, like that, does that feel quite right to me? Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, is, is therefore pride the kind of the, 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 um, um, the right, the, you know, the exact opposite? I, I, am I getting too specific <laughs> in, in yeah. my, in, in my thesaurus-like brain, you know, like a thesaurus where you've got right. antonym and opposite? Right, antonym and sin. For yeah. me, I like to think of it as being adopted is, on the list of your characteristics, the same way, you know, being a good singer or, you know, having brown hair or, you know, like it can be maybe at a different priority level, 
but it's not this identifying, this is the only thing yeah. you are, everything is wrapped up in it. So maybe that's the sort of the pride piece, you know, like, yes, I don't want to whisper about it. It's not a secret, but it's also like, we c I can be adopted and then we can talk about something else. We, you know, that whole piece of, it doesn't, it, it, it feels like the secret also makes it encompass you. And yeah. I wonder if pride makes it encompass you in the opposite way. And some people might be super into it and say, I want to talk about being adopted all the time. And some people might say, this is part of who I am, but like, I really would rather talk about singing. Yeah. I, let's not give it so much weight that you are forced to identify first and foremost that way. Yeah. That's interesting because I, I used to, I ran a, a webinar um, a couple of weeks ago and uh, it was, it was on identity and I went I was thinking about you know I used to disc, I used to say I I am adopted uh and and then I and then I and then I flipped from when I came into this space because it you know it, it it's about shorthand I said you know like thriving adoptees I, I I'm an adoptee right I'm an adoptee so in a in a in a conversation I'm an adoptee and I'd never said that I'd never used that word before. And then and then the next one that came to my mind really was I was adopted. So adopted was something that happened that um, mm -hmm. that, that happened to me. Um, but then I, I got into the fact, well, it didn't happen to it, it didn't happen to Simon Beck because I was David Anthony Flower when I was adopted. I had a name. Mm. And, then, and then I became Sam Jonathan Ben. So I, I think that what we what we truly are is that it, it, you know, like the, we, we're not what we're not we're not what's happened to us. Um, we're not what we do, you know. So I'm a podcaster, but is that you know? I'm I'm a public speaker. I'm a sometimes trainer, but that does that define who I am? No, it, 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 who we are isn't what we do or what has happened to us in the past it's something it, it's something bigger than that it, it, it it's you know um yeah it's something it's something bigger than that and uh, the thing I, the, the the two ways i express that i use that as a french philosopher guy says that we're we're not human beings having a spiritual experience with spiritual beings having a human experience so yeah. you know I, I i think of us us ourselves as those spiritual beings or or or, or spirit or the 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 diamond uh that that goes through life and uh, and sh1t happens to us right so like like losing your birth mother to a certain extent, it, it, it's something that happens to us. So the whole identity piece is, is a bit of a rabbit hole. Um, the, uh, so what does, does that make any sense? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I come at it from, um, right, I think we've sort of put it into like an identity bucket when to me, I put it more in a, the structure of your family. Okay. So I look at it as, and we, you know, we have an open relationship with um, my daughter's birth family, which is very important to me. And we consider them family. We, you know, visit with them. We exchange gifts, you know, so to me, it's like we get hung up on 
semantics and, you know, property rights and how, you know, that can't be how a family is. I'm like, well, that's how our family is. So, which was interesting because in my, my family of origin, my dad was married before and got divorced, had three children who are my half siblings and then married my mom and had me and my sister. So our family is already, you know, I've got a 35 year old nephew and a 12 year old nephew. So to me, that's my family construction. So to me, for my daughter, I don't think of adoption as an identity. I think of her family structure. I'm like, well, you've got this one, you've got these, the family constellation looks like this. So it's not about walking around. I'm an adopted person. It's about, if you ask me about my family, she just talks about it. Like, yeah, I've got my sister. She lives in California. You know, I've got my birth mom's coming to visit because they're family members. And we're fortunate enough to be living in a time and, and, and have a relationship in that way. But that's to me also a shift from this idea that like this thing that happened to you, it does partially make you who you are, but it's also, it's how the structure of your family and yeah. another way to look at it, I guess. Yeah, I think that's, uh, I, I think that's a, 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 another way, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm always looking for other ways, like staying curious. And uh, I say this a lot, like adopted parents seem to me good on you. Uh, and, and because I had my curiosity, I had my curiosity. I sounded a bit patronizing. Um, I tell you what, I, 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 I focus on my own curiosity, right? So it, it, I, I try and live it. I, I'm not just talking about other people um but yeah that's another way to look at it if, if we have more ways of looking at things then we tend to see better don't we so yeah to think about it as a structure of the family so th the other thing that came to my mind as you were talking is about is that um because you mentioned um uh, you mentioned um uh, secrecy and out of the out of the closet and gate I, I was thinking about that this week actually um I don't know. I don't know why, uh, but I was thinking about you know people being conf conflicted. People, we, we use this word a lot, don't conflicted. So um, society says historically, um, heterosexual is right. That that's the way, right? Uh, and and then you've got a a, a gay person uh, or a person that is questioning their sexuality, and they're they're conflicted because, you know, society is saying one thing, but their instincts are saying the other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, well, how does that apply to, how does that apply to a, a, a adoption and uh, an adopted people? And then I, what came to my mind was the kind of, like lots of ad adoptees get, um, get angry about being told that they should be grateful. Mm. So there's a conflict there, right? So I've I've never I've never actually be to been told that I should be grateful. Um, I, I don't know how how I would feel about that if that happened to me. Uh, grateful about being adopted. I've been told that I should be grateful about other things. But it, if I was so. If I was feeling, if I was a, 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 an adult adoptee who was feeling um, some animosity to 
my birth parents, for example. Sorry, my adopted parents, for example. And people told and told me that I should be grateful. Then that 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 conflict, the conflict would would arise between I feel one way and society tells me I should feel somewhere else. So, and and then I would be I would be thinking, well, I am what I am. Uh, that's a glory again. It's something that I am my own special creation. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, but it, 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 it's it's kind of pretty confusing that. Um, and you're gonna you might rebel against society, or you might uh, or you might hide yourself away in, in shame, thinking, well, I'm like this, but uh, you know, I, I'm like this, as in, I'm not sure about my adoptive parents or my relationship with my adoptive parents isn't great, and but people are telling me uh, I should be grateful. You could go one way, which would be to lock yourself away in shame that you don't feel like somebody should tell. Um, uh, somebody's saying you, you should feel or you could rail against it which is what a lot of adult adoptees do in the, you know uh, is they, they they they're very concerned about what other people think of them and they're very angry about that and I, I I don't get that because I've never I've never felt that way but um yeah that's what I, I thought was interesting that the you know the the, the shame thing um and, and the, being conflicted yeah, I I feel so the grateful thing is sort of offensive to me because I think, you know, this child is trying to grow up and, you know, trying to find their way and you're going to say, you know, you're so lucky when they're just trying to figure out who they are. They're, you know, they're trying to make their way. Um and so you know, they're doing the best they can. That's what I assume. But to me, this the the grateful thing and the shame thing is really, I mean, where where does this all stem from? It stems from what happened. Something happened for a birth mother, a birth parent, not to be able to keep their child. Something happened. That doesn't that doesn't happen when everything is going well. There's some sort of crisis. I mean, that's just in every single case, there must be. And at least historically, society has said, you're bad, you birth mother, you must be bad, and you adoptive parents must be good, which then leads to the, you child must be grateful. That to me just needs to be blown up, okay? So you've got, and, and that's what people don't want to talk about. That's the, my biggest, you know, what, I, what I, I think is really the base of the secret and the shame is that whatever happened there is so painful and people want to somehow assign blame and then secret it away. And if we can get past that and say, let's take care of each other. There was a crisis here and... We, it takes a village and we adopted this child and, you know, we are going to do the best we can and you're going to want to figure out who you are. And part of that is your biology. And those of us who, you know, were not adopted, take that for granted. You take for granted that you can see who you look like. You can see where you get your mannerisms, that there are some things that are genetic that you have easy access to. And if you have to keep that a secret, then that feels really badly, especially when you're surrounded by people who get to take it for granted. So that I just really feel like that, that shame and be grateful thing is because we're judging both sides of the equation. We're judging the crisis that a birth family was in and we're, we're, you know, negatively and we're judging an adoptive family like, 
oh, you must be rainbow and butterflies. And we're just humans. So, you know, can we get rid of all that? Because then the adoptees stuck in the middle going, well, I came from the bad people and now I'm with the good people. And that's just, that's not nearly nuanced enough for yeah. what's really going on. And it's too much to put on a on someone trying to grow up and figure out who they are, to take on all the other things that happened. Um, I think that should be out there and available, but should, you know, we let it consume the whole identity. And that's just, that's too hard, too much. And that's where I feel like you have the secret and shame because you also, it's hard to go around talking about it, you know, saying, talking to your friends, being like, man, I'm feeling really shame. I feel really ashamed today that I'm supposed to be grateful for being adopted. That's a tough conversation to have. Um, I hope we can have it, but I, that's where I, I worry that it comes down to the judgment we have for birth families. And then on the opposite side, the judgment we have of adoptive families. Yeah. There's, there's so much uh, wisdom in that. Where uh, And I, I love the, because you, you told me last time, you used to be a, a lawyer. Is, is that yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, I, I love the simplicity that you, you cut through to, to, to the issue there um, in terms of, yeah, there's been a crisis uh, and, and we're judging the birth mom or the birth fa uh, family on that crisis. Um, and so we're, we're, we're traditionally or historically, we've been knocking them down and building the, um, building the, uh, the, the adopted parents up. And what comes to my mind here, we have quite a lot of, I don't know, I don't know to what extent, I, 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 sorry, we do have some people on the, the show coming at, at this from a religious perspective. I did one, I, I recorded one a couple of days ago. And that, that judgment thing is kind of laced in with the religious stuff, isn't it, often? Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to this is just an aside that like I, I found it a little bit strange we, my wife and I went to to the um to Rome for the weekend with some friends some the friends wanted to go to have a look at the Vatican we went in uh, and I saw people queuing up to kiss a like a statue a, a stone statues of a, of a guy his toe and uh, it, it it didn't really sit with me and the Swiss guard guy who was watching who is the Pope the Pope's got his own army hasn't he this Vatican guard or Swiss guard um he saw me uh questioning what these people were doing <laughs> and he gave me a real Paddington what we call a Paddington hard stare do, do you know oh. You know, so Paddington's this, uh, Paddington's a kid, a, a kid. Yeah, 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 the bear, yeah. The bear, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, of course, yeah, it was, it was a, they make a, um, Hugh Grant was in the, the, uh, the Hollywood uh, yeah. version of it, yeah. Yeah, so Paddington, yeah, so a Paddington hard stare, which, which means like a, like a, a death stare. That's what <laughs> this, you know, this guy was judging me on me well i guess i was judging the people like i i don't get this why are they queuing so anyway um yeah that shame the shame thing because we're in we're into religious territory here and um aren't we in terms of shame and 
and judgment, um, whether we're talking about, um, what's the posh word? Judging people badly, denigration, is it? Or building them up, you know, uh, holier than thou. We're, in, we're into some religious stuff. So let's not go there. Well, um, I also think we're it just societally. And don't get my feminism started. You know, it, we're, we're also judging often birth mothers and you're supposed to do X, Y, Z. So there, there's a lot. There's a, it's not just religion. There's other, other layers of judgment, both historically and as things hopefully evolve for the better that are, that are embedded deeply in what a birth family is forced to do in a crisis and then how we judge them after. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I don't know anything about feminism, but when the, the thing that you were talking about there, the thing that came to my mind was, you know, was what I found in, in my, uh, my, my adoption file, right? Um, so the, the adoption file was the file of papers, letters from my birth mum to the, uh, to the adoption council, the adoption agency, letters from them back to her, the social workers notes, the note, the letters from my her um, from the social worker to my mum and dad, letters back from them, and the fact that you know my birth father and my birth mother had been going out together for five months, and when she told him that she was pregnant, he was like, "I don't want to have anything to do with it." Uh, and um, so, uh, and I was thinking, so in my search, it was never actually about him; it was always about my was about my birth mother and I'd be tempted to be judging him right mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd be tempting judging him but I thought well what would I have been like I don't know I haven't, I haven't got a clue uh, I've never got um got anybody pregnant uh let's back let's go back to the other truth bomb that you dropped in a conversation that I that I that I loved uh last time which you talked about the pie, you said that the pie of love is not finite. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, I, again, goes back to this, like, they're, they're, the, the, I'm sort of starting to call it the myth of the heterosexual couple with 2.5 kids, that somehow this is still, we're still clinging to that norm. And especially in America, and I don't know as much about England, but we, we, we really focus on this nuclear family. We focus on, you know, we don't live together. It's just the parents and the kids, you know, we don't live with the grandparents. We don't live with extended family. It's just culturally, at least in America and the wasp family I'm from, that's not how we do things. So then when you, Go, try to go beyond that like in our case where we have a relationship with the birth family people who are not in this adoption constellation are like <gasps> they feel really badly when they call the birth mom the mom like oh no are you so offended oh no I'm like I'm not because I have my role and I'm very secure in it and the pie of love is not finite you know, if you've parented, you want your kids to be loved by lots of people. So why can't they also be loved by their birth family if you're fortunate enough to have a relationship with them? Yeah. Everyone knows love multiplies, you know, not everyone, but love multiplies. You don't need to like hold your role. Like don't call her mom, only call me mom. I, 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 I have only had 
you know, good experiences with that. And we have a very lovely relationship with the birth family. So we're fortunate, but it doesn't scare me that she, there's another woman out there who she calls her mom. She calls her birth mom, but her mom, that, that doesn't, I want lots of people to love her. So that's, that's, I guess, where I, I thought of that phrase. Um, because I think people don't really know they're thinking that way, but when they get afraid, like how can she have a relationship with her birth mom? What does that make you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm her mom. She's her birth mom and she's her mom in a different way. I don't know. And it's all fine. (laughs) Yeah. There's a few things come to my mind that, um, first off, you know, so if it's not uh, finite, it's infinite. And, and I was thinking back to what you were saying about openness and, and, and our human, uh, yeah, our cultural stuff. So it's going back to the, to the question you talked about, the nuclear, uh, the nuclear norm, 2.5 kids and all that sort of stuff. It's exactly the same here in, in the UK. Um, just as an, as an aside, really. Uh, I, I was thinking, we talk about, you know, like, you know, openness and and open, you know, open versus closed adoptions, and it, and it's it, it's it, it's one or a zero, it's black or white, it's it's very, um, it's very very finite, isn't it? Whereas you think about, you know, if the if the pie of love is infinite, that's you know we've got, um, we've what what about infinite openness? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like oh, it's open. It's open. They know the name. It's open. Um, they can contact them by email. It's open. We see them. Um, uh, we get one letter a year. You know, like we. It's that 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 openness isn't. It isn't a one or a zero. It, it's a, it's a it's a spectrum, and uh, and the further you go down the spectrum, the more multiplication of love I, I love that do you know what I mean like the multiplication of love I mean who doesn't want more love in their life like you know a mentor of mine says you know like would you like more happiness in your life you know <laughs> who doesn't want you? yes You're right. <laughs> who wants more love in their life um, and as, as soon as I'm saying that I'm thinking about um uh, I, I, I'm sorry I'm thinking maybe it's just my strange mind a warped mind I'm, I'm thinking about um, polygamy and I'm not going there right I'm not we're not <laughs> talking about kind of right that's a different sort of love but yeah that and I was thinking like you know what if what if what if today's conversation is about that multiplication of love because we're taking something that is one or a zero okay so uh, I'm um, uh, Zero, uh, zero is a closed adoption. Like uh, zero is a fully closed adoption. What was how, how was I adopted? Well, my mum and dad met my birth mum once when when they when they got me, uh, and then so that's pretty close, really. So that, but it's not completely close because they didn't meet her. But then we've got that. Okay, people say, "Well, I've got, I've got an open adoption. I've got some open adoption." So, what can we do? What can we do to multiply that one by something else 
so that we've got infinite openness and infinite love and let's share the love multiply the love and i'm and i've never thought of it like, like that but it sounds I, quite cool yeah and i you know i expanded sort of to me past adoption i think adoption is sort of a metaphor because there's a couple of things going on one of them is there's dynamics there's that judgment issue and it may be some you know the birth family may be you know, and, and may likely be someone you wouldn't have run into in your normal course of your societal connections. So we have to question, you know, why, you know, you have to make that leap and make those connections across maybe a socioeconomic, maybe racial, maybe cultural connections. And you have to sort of open yourself to, um, you know, that birth family was in a crisis and you think that would never happen to me. Well, it could have. So if you think about it, think about them in terms of, you know, grace and compassion, you might realize you have more in common than you thought. And that sort of clicking that openness from zero yeah. to one to, you know, try to click that up. And I like to think of it beyond adoption um, in terms of societally. We are certainly living in an age where tribalism is growing right the idea that you're different than i am and i'm in my camp and you're in your camp and we're on opposite ends and we're at war yeah. there's no way we have anything in common no. when we know that's not true and adoption feels like a little microcosm like the bad people and the good people and you're like hold on a minute <laughs> instead of focusing on the things that are different let's think about the things we have in common then you get to move up that openness scale and you get to multiply love because you're like, let's find where we connect. My daughter's birth mom, I, so I was, uh, I spent the last trimester of her pregnancy taking her to doctor's appointments. You know, we got to know each other. We went to the movies, you know, and it was one of those, we have a lot in common. You know, we both like the same, we both like Golden Graham cereal. We both like the actor Vince Vaughn. You know, it's just stuff that comes up and you're like, oh, how odd. If I had met you in a completely different way, we probably would have been buddies. And then we are buddies. But you have to be able to like bring your brain there because then you're like, oh, look at this extra person. Look at this extra, you know, love and openness because I'm not just stopping at my initial judgment yeah. that society has told me to have. I love that. And I, I think um, that you brought your heart there. You said you well, brought, it, it, brought it, your it helps. It helps to have my daughter and be able to tell her those stories. And somehow I just joke that love of pink and glitter must be genetic because I don't love pink and glitter, but my daughter does and her birth mom does. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> so it's, I like, it's so neat having those connections. That's just so important to me. And it makes me understand my daughter better and have her, it, I feel like it helps her be more whole. Yeah. And I get to ha incorporate these interesting people into my family and I love them. It's great. Yeah, this is great. Um, Something's just pop, popped up for me here on in terms of like understanding, um, understanding, you know, the understanding the commonalities and, um, and, and back to, back to what, you know, what underneath we're all the same, right? Um, I was thinking that we, you know, we've we've talked about shame from uh, uh, I guess a few perspectives, but we've we've not 
we've not talked about it from a kind of uh, a, a mum who can't, or mum or mum, as we would say over here in the UK, that couldn't have a child naturally. Mm-hmm. Do you do you see it, 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 is that is that a big thing? You know, perhaps it, do you see that in your professional life? Yeah, I um so. Uh, that was not the case for me because no. I didn't try. But um, we definitely see that the organization I, I work for um, uh, recruits foster parents, and we definitely see people who come after um, failed fertility treatments. And that is a very emotional and difficult thing. I think this goes back to the idea of, you know, the shame of what women are meant to do and certainly so which to me is a societal pressure versus you know people having a very natural desire to you know to give birth to their own biological children which I think is very personal but I do think there's also that societal pressure piece that makes you feel like somehow you are not worthy or you should feel shameful because you didn't do it in this way, which is another side of the same coin of the birth mother who, how dare you be in a crisis where you're not able to care for your child? Um, those are, that's the feminist part I'm talking about where both of the, there's that pressure on both sides that may be coming from external places. And then it, then it invades your heart when you have done what is right for you um, yeah. or you have done your best, you know, whether it's fertility treatments or what it, whatever it is, and this is where you are. And so having some acceptance for that um, and having society think about that, that it's okay that families are formed in all these different ways. And it, there's a lot of judgment on the woman, I think, in both cases, and that's painful. Yeah. Because you know my story is fits exactly the that kind of mold the the, the norm mold for adoption <laughs> for adoption as in um, uh, un uh, unmarried mother sing, single mother to be oh yeah pregnant woman tells t- tells uh, birth father birth father doesn't want to have, have anything to do with it birth mother in those days in back in 1966 when I was conceived um but birth mother had had she had she had no adopt uh, she had no abortion um option because that wasn't uh that wasn't um legalized until 67 in the UK so she had no she didn't have that option she um it, it, it the norm the societal pressure was you know single mothers in those days were really badly frowned upon or, or more or worse than that um and um and and and, and mom, you know the mom, but mom, and my mum and dad came at it from from infertility so that it's like that's the stand kind of standard story but obviously things have changed an awful lot since um since since then but norms are still pretty strong uh, and we've still got a lot of older generations 
rooting to that, stuck to that sort of stuff. And and it it also reinforces the idea that let's keep this a secret. Yeah. Or let's pretend. Maybe we can pretend, like you know, in those really tricky cases. Let's pretend I gave birth to this child. Let's not tell the child. Let's let everyone believe. You know, like back in the day. Oh man, there are so many layers to that. Yeah. And I mean, just like secret upon secret upon secret about like just like the just like the mushrooms are growing in the dark the, yeah. the mushroom secrets are just growing and growing because there's so much dark space for them to grow and then the child is going you know something you know I've heard they're like something feels like you know they're not told and they're like something feels like maybe I've got something's different and I need to explore it, but there's no way to do that. Yeah. I mean, that to me is what we really, we got to pull those mushrooms out. Like we, like too much dark space. We need to just open the shades. We need the sun to come in. We need those mushrooms to shrivel. We need to, you know, but, but there are, to your point, I mean, just the, the shame on both sides for the, for the women when it's like, there's only one way to do this. That's what I also think about. I've had to confront myself having adopted as a single woman is I'm doing this wrong. I'm supposed to be married. I'm yeah, you're supposed to be. Five kids, and I'm going to step in. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say that, right? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I know I've looked around and be, you know, people are like, how did you do that? Crazy. And when I did it, I had to go, I had to confront my shame and my fear straight on and say, well, am I going to let that dictate? what kind of life I have or if I have a family this way or am I just gonna try to walk past it so I have my own level of you know dealing with I quote unquote didn't do it right which is also I think where my passion comes to I mean lots of people didn't do it right if right is heterosexual 2.5 kids I yeah. mean can we can yeah. we stop talking about that's the only yeah. way because look around it's, it's not a bit nuts yeah yeah, I, I had a real aversion to average as a kid. <laughs> I had a real aversion to average. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I uh, in in this little adoption file, there's this little booklet, um, and I don't know why it was in there, why it wasn't given, because it was just sat in the, with all this documentation. But it was uh, like a, a little bit of a. a, a, a it was a tiny manual. It's about four pages. It's a little four-page booklet about openness. Uh, and um, I, I read through it, and it's in it's in the drawer. I'm gonna gonna dig it out, and I will drop a, one of the a 1966 truth bomb out of that on, on a further adoption podcast. I'm sure further episode. Um, I love I love your metaphor of bringing the uh, the mushrooms out of the dark because those you know they're gonna well the the the, the metaphor that i use on that I, I, I often use this on the is the is the the trauma uh the trauma ball so um the the i mentioned the diamond earlier on didn't i, I mention the diamond so the, the diamond is who we are, the identity of, of, of who we are, the perfection of who we are, and they come in a million 
a million different shapes and sizes, but the, the perfection of who we are is a diamond. And then um, the, the, the trauma ball is basically all the, man, all the manure or the SH1T that we, we go through in life, right? Uh, and the uh, it, it's a it's a bit like a it's a bit like a snowball, you know. That we we were talking before we started about how weather changes and how in in uh, Chicago suddenly you've got all this sunshine and then you've had all this snow. So you know, like a, we make a snowman or snow person, and we you know we take we scoop up a, a scoop up a, um, a, a a ball of snow and around the around the diamond okay and then we we roll this the the ball along the along the ground mm -hmm. uh and that's 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 how trauma works it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy it gets darker and darker and the more we concentrate on it uh, and the more uh, they call it confirmation bias so the psychology so it gets it gets it gets worse and worse uh, uh, until we bring some uh, an industrial heater to 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 the to the trauma ball a snowball and we warm up the uh, we, we warm up the snow it melts and all that's left is the perfection of of who we of who we are so by bringing and you could you could use that same thing for for shame um any any limiting belief that we have any thought that we're not good enough if we bring it bring that thought that we've kept secret out into the light uh and somebody else will somebody else will probably tell us yeah I felt like like that too, mm -hmm. and then we see that we have the same fears and inadequacies. They're not personal; they've got nothing to do with us. And the, the bringing them into the light of awareness and conversation has dissolved them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think it's identifying what is it that's making you feel that way. Let's talk about it. Because I think you're right. You bring it out into the light and it's often not nearly as bad as you thought it was when yeah. it wasn't. Uh, and it's the same as that closet thing, you know, that, that that's why the metaphor works, you know, in, in when when gay um, gay people talking coming out of the closet, you're out of the darkness into the light. And um they're often well from from what i see you know in, in on the television uh they're, they're terrified of that they're terrified of the they're terrified of the uh, the reaction they're terrified of being shunned um the ones that i guess that's the stereotypical the stereotypical journey isn't it? well that's still a, a, you know it's another good parallel because you know for you know, children who, gay children who grow up in families where they can evolve their identity and they've never been told that's bad, you can't be that way. You know, it, it comes out naturally and the parallel in adoption of also, this is part of who you are, you do what you want with it. You can be completely open about it. 
then ideally, you know, what I'm hoping for is you're never in that dark closet saying, oh gosh, I, I feel these things, I can't say anything, it's bad, you know, I feel shameful, like yeah. sort of never closing the door, never having that closet in a, with a closed door. Yeah. That's the, that's the goal, but we, it takes us time to learn as a society how to keep that door open so you don't end up in the closet. Yeah. So I, I often say it to people that I, I was told that I was adopted so young, I can't even remember being told. So I was told with a storybook. Yeah. And, you know, and it normalizes it. And yeah. there's no shame, it, you know, this has happened to somebody in a book and this mm -hmm. is, this, this is the story, and this is how you came to this how, how you came into our family, versus the um, the, the, the the you know the, the twelve year old or thirteen year old kid that finds some papers or gets told something, and and gets hit with with the secret, yeah. and then the that whole thing that you're talking that you started off by saying, you know, people, wh why didn't they want to, me to know this? Right. You know, like who, uh, you, you said something really eloquent about, um, you've never, you, you, you've never heard of a good secret. There's no such thing as a good <laughs> secret. I don't know, unless it's a surprise maybe, but yeah, I don't think so. Most secrets, I feel like there's a reason you want them out in the open. You feel badly yeah. somehow. I think some, sometimes the marketeers um, uh, use secrets as a kind of uh, as a hook, don't they? Like to, 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 to you know, like um, I I know that I'm, I'm I'm pretending that I'm the marketeer, right? You know, um, if you just you're you're struggling in your life, uh, but uh, if you know that if you knew the five secrets to X Y Z or X Y Z in the states, then then you can have what I've had, and if you just pay me nine ninety nine, you know they, 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 that's that's <laughs> you can get the, the secret. You just got to pay them. You've you know, just got to pay nine dollars, and you can have the secret. That's all. Yeah, um, and and then you find out that there's nothing there. Um, so, so um, I want to go just go back to the 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 infinite. Uh, the, the pie of love of in, is of infinite is infinite. Let's just go back to that because um, you shared a lovely little story about where that came from um, with uh, with Boss Baby, um, which I, I don't know if I've seen it all the way through. Yeah, um, well, but, if you don't have small children, I don't know why you would. But it was cute. It was yeah. So it was the the premise of the story is um, the babies are worried that the puppy dogs are going to take love away from them. They're measuring the pie of love. They're measuring it and they're like, we've got to get rid of the puppies because they will not love us as much. And then the you know epiphany in the story, the climax says, oh, wait a minute. The pie of love is not finite. You, you know, you can love puppies and babies. But I, I do think that the metaphor was interesting because it is this idea that you can only have your mom and your dad and your blood, quote unquote, those are your people. When any of us, whether adopted or not, if you explore who your people are, you're going to include hopefully friends and neighbors and 
and biological family and if you know you've got you know, uh, people who become like family and godparents and who knows but we sort of like throw that out the window when we're talking about adoption and we act like no there's only a there's only this parent and you can't have the other parent. i'm like really because in actual real life you got all your your network goes all over the place yeah. hopefully you know so the pie of love. Hopefully, yeah. It's now finite. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a funny counterpoint story to that. Um, uh, a, a friend of mine said that, he, he said this to me 20, 30 years ago. Um, yeah, uh, he, was, he was 28 at the time. Uh, he, I think he's done it. He said, I've got enough friends. And I, I, I just, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's laughable, really. It, it, and I laughed. I don't know if I laughed at the time, because I'm probably upset, you know, worried about upsetting him. But I, I thought afterwards, that's, that's, that's kind of nuts, really. <laughs> well, there is some, like, social science around how many relationships you're able to maintain. So, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, you have millions and millions of close connections, but... It's more the idea that when we look at adoption, we get so tangled up in the names and the titles and the semantics yeah. and, the, and the blood versus not blood and all this. Whereas in our actual real life, you know, sometimes the first person you call would not be a biological relative. It might be your friend. And you don't think twice about that. You don't think, well, that's not allowed. There are rules as to who you're supposed to be have a close relationship to you just call who's your person you feel close to yeah. so you know I, I if we could use that lens it might help us rethink how we think about what adoption is and how we relate to each other yeah i, I remember um i had a business coach many years ago she was she was great um and there was one thing that used to like blockers a little bit sometimes I, I, I block most of the time 99% of the time which you know I worked with her for a couple of years um, and yeah it's kind of important it's, 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 it's important the story because she she just calmed me down a bit you know she, she narrowed my focus a bit she never ever told me what to do she just narrowed my focus so that I, I naturally realised I should focus my Operations and and I got to some success, which then um, didn't make me happy. Right, you know this. We're talking about societal norms. That this whole idea, I'll be happy when, right? Yeah. Um, so, I, I, so I wasn't. It, it didn't hitting the business goal. Didn't uh, didn't didn't rock. Uh, didn't you know? Didn't float my boat really, or not? Didn't float my boat for very long, um, and that set me off on looking at this looking at this journey about who we are and how our life works and where happiness comes from and all that sort of stuff. So 99% of the time that I spent with this business coach uh, uh, rocked along just gray, but every now and again, she'd start picking me up on, on, on the little details, you know, um, about, about my vocabulary and, and show she's, and it, it just like stopped. It stopped the flow of the conversation it, it, it felt like I, I, you know, I was back at school being told that I was wrong for something. Mm. And she was just picking me up on, on tiny bits of detail. 
And and I thought, and that's what came to my mind when you said about people getting hung up on stuff. Mm. Like to, you know, and I was thinking, well, where do I get, you know, where do I get hung up on on the tiny, the tiny details of stuff? Uh and and, and oh, where, 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 where should I be letting those go? And another one that came to my head on that is I, I got uh, uh, a, a, a big a mentor. A mentor of mine is a, a, a great guy. He's, he's, he's a bit far out. So I've I've only ever taken one of my friends. No, well, not a friend. And like my acquaintance guy, taken one acquaintance of, uh, of mine to to go and see this guy. And the guy is a phenomenal. Um, uh, inspirational speaker and just a brilliant guy. And at the end of the day of listening to, to this guy and a few other different people speak, I, I said to the to this guy that I'd taken down um, to, to see him, I said, what did you make of that? And he said, he, he kept on standing, he, he went quiet and then he said, oh, he kept on standing in front of the screen you know like the, uh, and, and when he stood in front of the screen i couldn't read the whole of his of the words that were on the, the bullet points that were on his powerpoint behind him and i i almost cried i mean this this guy delivers such wisdom with such humor and such clarity you know it it it, it changes it, it, it changes, you know, it, he's a life-changing speaker. And all this guy could talk about was the fact that he sometimes, this guy sometimes, sometimes came, came, comes in front, of, in front of the projector. And I, and I just thought, that's absolutely nuts. Um, and I'm sure that I do that too, right? I'm sure that I get lost in the, uh, lost in the detail. But what, you, what we're talking about here is... You know, on, on the one hand, we've been talking about uh, the pie of love is infinite. You know, we've been talking about huge, huge stuff. And, 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 and that's what matters. That's, it's the love stuff that matters. It's the infinite, it's the infinite nature of this stuff. That's what matters. Not the kind of like the, the, the tiny details that people pick us up on, right? Not the, not the definitions, not the legal status of your family members, not the, you know, blood connection. Like, you know, I, I think those are, those are the trees, right? And we want to look at the forest. So if you, if you just focus on the trees and sometimes, you know, it sounds like your friend was focusing on like the bark. You're like, okay, <laughs> step back a little bit. I understand that bark was bugging you, but back here, there's a whole forest and it's pretty beautiful. Yeah. You stopped worrying about every little piece. Like, well, this definition, when I did the same thing with my daughter, I, I read her a book, you know, I, I sort of made a little photo book that we read to sort of talk about it. And she, so when I, I said about her birth mom, I said, and she's your biological mom. And she looked at me and she said, she was maybe three or something. And I, I hadn't used the term before. And she looked at me and she said, I have two moms. And I said, yeah. And she goes, no, because she was like, wait a minute, two mom, like, I can't even figure this out. And I just thought, you think what you want, because the term was sticking with her. It was sticking. She was like, this can't be right. But now, you know, it's evolved and we don't care so much that the term that there's two people who have mom in there for her. 
but that's the thing, right? You start, you got to step back from the bark and from the trees and go, oh, if I just look at this as a whole, that's pretty great. Yeah. As opposed to I'm getting really stuck on who's the mom and, and, you know, I'm adopted and I, you know, this is so. Yeah. 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 Wow. It's been great. I've loved it. Um, the whole point of this show is, is, is to uh, share those perspective shifts. Right. That you, right. Like you, you know, when you say, yeah. you know, going from the, from the tree, uh, tree to the forest and then I love the way that you know zoomed in on the on the bark you know uh, and and I said before before we started I went I was in the family publishing business from 1989 to 2011 whatever and uh, we were obsessed with apostrophes right <laughs> we're obsessed we're obsessed with getting it right uh, and and there is so much and that detail is so so soul destroying and and, and the so for me, the freedom of the conversation on a on a podcast uh, is is very empowering because we're talking about big stuff here, and yeah. we talk and 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 we've I've left the I've left the apostrophes behind until I you know compose my next email clearly after mm -hmm. after we've spoken uh, and i worry whether i put the apostrophe in the right place <laughs> <laughs> so um as always listeners uh in the show notes you can check out uh connections to the to the guests uh, organization to their social social channels to the website and um thank you very much for coming on the show it's a I knew we were in for treat and it was a, it was a great one. And as we explore this stuff. Yeah. Uh, so is there anything you'd like to close with? Um, no, it was a great conversation. I, you know, I, I love the perspective shifts and um, I really appreciated the conversation and um, good luck. I love it. Yeah, I love thank it you. And also just, I, I remember something that you said uh, when we spoke last time, um, uh, you're writing a book at the moment. That's right. Yeah. So when that when that book comes out, um, then you got to let me know, and I'll and I'll, I'll put a link in off off the show notes. So um, we don't know when that'll be. We're recording this in May. It'll probably go live in May twenty twenty two. It'll probably go live in June. So, but whatever you're listening, uh, if you're if you're interested in look, checking out Alex's book and whether it's being published or not then um that will be in the show notes great we'll take some time but great yep yeah thanks a lot alex and thank you listeners thank you for listening and we will speak to you again very soon thank you man goodbye